Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ, Nashville, Tennessee. This episode is for October 18th, 2020. I'm going to start by reading from Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, Do not send us up from here. How will anyone know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause... All my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we are thankful for another week of life. I am so grateful that you're here with us now, wherever we happen to be listening to this wherever we happen to be worshiping, um, whatever we're doing, Lord, we thank you for your presence. God, I ask that you um, go with us in this moment. Um, May you bring us peace. Um, May your word um, protect us and guide us. Uh, May it be be, uh, a window um, that we ought to see the truth through. Lord, I pray that... um, uh, those that aren't uh, with us, um, those that forget the podcast or just unable, um, are able to find uh, your word in other ways, be with them, Lord, and help us to reach out to them. God, I just am um, so grateful for you and everything you've done for us. Continue to bless us, and thank you so much for your encouragement. It's in your Son, Jesus' name, that I pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. It's a wonderful day. I'd like to read Psalm 99 for us this morning. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. 
He sits enthroned between cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In in Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Let's pray today. Our Father, we are so grateful for your love for us. And like Moses and Aaron and Samuel, who called on your, your name and you answered them, Father, we know that you hear us and you answer us. Father, we are so grateful for that. Father, there is so many concerns that we have in this world. So many concerns for people. There is uh, the the pandemic is is uh, such a huge issue now. And Father, we pray that those who are trying to help can continue to help and be safe, and the people who are sick can get better. Father, we know about the attitudes that all of us have toward each other. And as we try to sort through the role of police and the, the, uh, all of the uh, challenges that we have as a society, Father, help us to look to you and to keep you first. Father, we know there are so many people that are hurting uh, economically, and we uh, pray that we can uh, be of service. Father, we we know that this is a difficult time. Father, we are so concerned in this country about the election, and we uh, pray that your will be done. We are uh, grateful to you for the tremendous blessings that you give us. And we, uh, we are grateful that we can uh, be your children. Father, we thank you most of all for Jesus. We thank you for his life and for his sacrifice for us. Father, we uh, continue to uh, ask that we can uh, live like he did. 
and be acceptable to you. We thank you for this church. We're grateful for each other. We're grateful that we can be a family. And we uh, pray that we can never, that we never uh, take that for granted. Father, we're so grateful that we can uh, be together this Sunday morning. And we uh, pray that you will continue to uh, uh, give us ways to uh, serve you. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning, church. The lectionary schedule has us going through the latter part of the Gospel of Matthew. In today's reading, Jesus answers questions on taxes. <laughs> and when I saw this, my heart sank. I don't want to talk about taxes. We're just a few weeks before an election where tax policy always plays a role. And in Nashville, some citizens are trying to recall the mayor due to a property tax increase. And even our American origin story centers on taxation, right? As kids, all of us learn the no taxation without representation mantra. We're surrounded by heated conversations on taxation, past, present, and future. And in our congregation, I know we have a range of thoughts and perspectives on tax policy, and there are far easier things to talk about. But this is what you get when you commit to a Bible reading schedule. We resist the urge to cherry-pick our favorite parts of the Bible, and we're committed to reading and studying the whole thing, even the hard parts, even the controversial parts, even the parts we may not like. <laughs> so here we go. I didn't choose this reading. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher. They said, We know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. So in chapter 22, Jewish leaders test Jesus with four questions. And if you open your Bible, you'll be able to clearly see kind of the rhythm of this. This all happens the last week of his life on earth between his triumphal entry and the Last Supper. So in today's reading, the Pharisees and the Herodians ask him about taxes. After this, the Sadducees are going to ask him about marriage and the resurrection. Then the Pharisees are going to ask him, what's the greatest commandment? And then finally, they're going to ask him, whose son is Christ? So we should see this first question we're looking at as part of the overall series. They're trying to trap Jesus. They want to discredit him. 
And they don't really care how they do it. If they can get the people to turn against him, great. If they can get the Romans to turn against him, great. They don't care how it happens. They just want to get Jesus out of the way. It's shocking to see the Pharisees and Herodians unite to test Jesus in this first case. After all, they're bitter enemies. The Herodians support Herod. They're the ultimate sellouts to the Romans. And the Pharisees represent an ethical and moral reform movement in deep opposition to Herod. This is one of those classic, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of things. They all want Jesus gone. The tax question has the potential to do just that. The Herodians are deeply patriotic. If they can get Jesus to sound unpatriotic, perhaps they can get the Romans to arrest him. The Pharisees are deeply religious. If they can get Jesus to sound pro-Roman and therefore irreligious, perhaps they can discredit him and turn the people. Either way, both groups would win by getting rid of Jesus. Jesus, in response offers these amazing words, which offer us so much wisdom and insight, and there's so much depth to his answer. We could talk about it for days, but briefly, I want to mention three quick things. First, Jesus exposes their hypocrisy, and you can just hear it. There's such kiss-ups. You can hear it dripping off their words as they're building up to this with this false praise that they're bringing. Um, To truly understand what's going on, we need to understand how their coinage worked, Okay, if you have a coin with you today, you know, you can pull it out. You can see the images of presidents and other influential figures in American history. Um, I always enjoy when I travel to a different country uh, using their coinage. And often I'll I'll save a couple of pieces just because I think coins are interesting. It's kind of fun culturally. And their coins were similar. Most coins bore the image of the emperor or Caesar, complete with various pro-Roman slogans. So now the Jews, especially the more religious Jews like the Pharisees, they had a deep problem with this because Israel had a long history of resistance to graven images and idols. So this was bothersome to them. And I know they had this long history of being anti-idolatry, but also this long history of falling prey to idolatry, right? It's this mixed history. But they have a default suspicion towards images, So in Jerusalem, they even had rules about the type of flags and standards you can use in terms of images because they wanted to be a city free from idols, and they saw some of this coinage as idolatrous. So the Romans, they even sanctioned some coins that did not have the image of Caesar to alleviate this conscience problem. I mean, as long as as Caesar got his money, he he let the Jews leave his face off the money. I mean, he, he didn't care as long as he kept getting the money and they weren't doing a revolt. So let's see what's going on here clearly in this story. There are two types of coins in circulation. Okay, One has Caesar's image on it, and one does not have Caesar's image, and this is kind of what the pious Jews are using as an anti-idolatry statement. They're using the coins without Caesar's image. And the Pharisees were very outspoken about the coins with Caesar's image and how the right thing to do was to carry these other coins. So Jesus asked the Pharisees, who have the Herodians with them, this question. Show me the coin in your pocket. Whose image is on it? And the answer was Caesar. So notice what's going on. Presumably, the Pharisee Jesus asks is carrying around a coin with the image of Caesar. The very thing they're telling the people not to do. They're carrying one of the coins that they've been speaking out against. 
they are not practicing what they preach. It's simply posturing for the sake of power. So Jesus, in front of everyone, exposes their hypocrisy. They've been speaking out against these types of coins, but yet they have these type of coins. And he wants everyone to see what's going on. They are not honest brokers. They're cunning and manipulative. Don't trust them. They're hypocrites. They say one thing and do another. That's the whole thing going on in this chapter. Jesus is trying to expose, and he's successful, to expose those resistant to him as hypocrites. Here's the second thing. <clears throat> Jesus says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus has a perfect opportunity to say, taxes are wrong, taxes are evil, we shouldn't pay taxes. And he doesn't say that. Even if some of us, at one time or another, had kind of wished he'd said that, right? Specifically on April 15th. Jesus seemingly, though, gives support to the concept of taxation. And friends, that's noteworthy. The Jews were an occupied people. They were not free. And if there was a time in history to truly give an anti-tax speech, this would have been it, right? But Jesus doesn't do it. I mean, to be clear, he doesn't give like a passionate pro-tax speech, but neither does he give an anti-tax speech. He simply says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, to be clear, Jesus believes in just taxation. Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus. His dinner with Zacchaeus compels this tax collector to give half of his possessions to the poor and to pay back four times the amount to those he cheated. When tax collectors approach John the Baptist in Luke 3, they ask, what should we do? John doesn't give an anti-tax speech, but instead says, don't collect any more than you're required to. Taken together, I think we have the following posture. Taxation should be fair and just. In my humble opinion, that likely means a balance between too little and too much. I think Christians can have a healthy debate about tax policy, but I don't think Jesus gives us space to think taxes are evil or taxes are the total solution to everything. Combined with the first point, our taxes, I'm sorry, combined with the first point, our views and practices on taxation should be free of hypocrisy. And don't we see hypocrisy from time to time in how people talk about taxes, but then how they behave when it comes to taxes? I anticipate that Christians will continue to practice healthy dialogue and civil disagreement on tax policy. But these words from Jesus should moderate the extremes and push us towards just and fair practices of taxation. <clears throat> Third, Jesus turns the conversation to something more important than taxation. Given to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. If Caesar's image is on the coin... Well, then give it to Caesar. But if something has God's image on it, give it to God. What has the image of God? We do. Throughout, Scripture is clear. All humans have been created in the image of God. So what's Jesus' point? We all belong to God. We should all give our lives to God. In short, God wants us. All of us. And this is the most important part of the reading. It's the climax of the reading. It's Jesus' main thesis. Taxation is an important conversation. And personally, I'm grateful for the services I received just this past week from my taxes. Education for my daughters, 
Garbage pickup, I love garbage pickup. As someone that grew up in the country having to burn my trash, that's a story for another day. I love garbage pickup. And well-kept roads, just to name a few. I understand that tax policy can be a way to help people. Freeing people from overtaxation can be a form of liberation. And likewise, using tax money for resources can be a way to empower people. Just and fair taxation can be a societal good. But ultimately, the tax part of this scripture reading is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that God gets us. God wants what has his image. God wants our hearts more than our taxes. And in our culture, much like Jesus' culture, the debate on taxes clouded people from the more important conversation. The political conversation around tax policy served as a distraction and a deflection. And I see the same thing happening today. Let me be clear. Politics is important. Politics matters. What happens next month will have huge ramifications and we should be engaged and prayerful. But let me humbly share something. Politics can become a distraction for us. Think about our current climate. Politics can give you a villain. Politics can give you a hero. Politics can give you an excuse. Politics can give you entertainment. And politics can keep you, can keep me, distracted from what matters most. So let me ask you this question. Have politics distracted you from prayer? Have politics distracted you from reading your Bible? Have politics distracted you from being emotionally present with your family, emotionally present with your friends, emotionally present with your neighbors? Have politics distracted you from getting your work done? I mean, it's important, but don't let it distract you from what matters most. And some of us need to hear this. I know I do at times. Has your obsession with a political leader distracted you from your own life? When I appear someday before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not going to be asked about him. I'm going to be asked about me. I'm not going to be asked about some political leader. I'm going to be asked about my life. And I can't let some other political leader be a distraction from my life. For the Pharisees and Herodians, they used the political tax conversation to deflect from their own hypocrisy. And we see this all around us. We talk about the hypocrisy of our political leaders. We talk about their sins. And to be clear, it's important to call out the sins of our leaders. I referenced John the Baptist a few minutes ago. That's what got him killed, and it was an important prophetic thing for him to do. But we shouldn't stop there, and many do. Many focus on the sins of politicians as a way to deflect from their own sins. If you want to find a public figure that is worse than you, it is easy. But we can't, we can't let someone else's sins be a form of deflection away from the really important things in our own lives. The Pharisees tried to deflect away from their own sin, and Jesus called them on it. Don't let your interest and participation in politics serve as a deflection away from your own life. Friends, family, this is true for all of us. At the end of the day, we've got to look in the mirror. 
Because the thing that we're most responsible for is our own life. What's going on with us? Tax policy is important. And next month's election has real consequences. But let me ask you this. Does Jesus have your heart? Someone else may get your taxes. Someone else may get your vote. But Jesus wants your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Jesus wants your behavior and your action. Jesus wants you, all of you. You have been created in the image of God, and God wants you. So, in every time, but specifically in this time, let's give unto God what is God's. Please take a moment to, uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion. Hey everyone, I want to share a message that I've been referring back to recently in my search of grounding myself, holding on to peace and finding peace in the midst of everything that's going on in life. Often living a peace-filled life comes down to a choice, choosing to come to him, choosing to set our minds on his word, choosing to trust him no matter what. Choosing to pray in all that we face, choosing not to be anxious, choosing to believe that he's always with us and in control, choosing to set our thoughts on those things that are true and right. God reminds us in his word that peace will not naturally just come our way. He tells us in Psalms 34, 14 to seek peace and pursue it. Some may offer their own advice and get away for a few days, relax, be happy, take a vacation, tune out, just don't think about all the stressful stuff. But all that is just temporary relief in a crazy, struggling world. These are vain attempts to cover desperate places of our souls with superficial external fixes. But the peace God offers is vastly different. It's lasting, confident real, breathing deep reassurance in the midst of all that we face, past, present, and future, rising up against the fear that would seek to choke our lives, bringing comfort and freedom. God's words give us strength, purpose, and grace. They alone are what can bring inner calm to a whirlwind of crazy. Please pray with me. Dear God, our world is hurting and broken. We pray for those who have lost loved ones this week. Please comfort them in their grief and loss. Cover them with your peace and presence as only your spirit can do. We know that in whatever we face, you are our peace and refuge, a very present help in the times of trouble. Thank you that you remind us throughout your word We do not face these storms alone, but you are always with us, whispering calm, speaking peace, and bringing rest to our souls. We confess our need for you. We ask you to forgive us for trying to forgive, trying to figure everything out on our own, for not trusting that you are more than able and powerful to work on our behalf. Forgive us for picking back up 
what we already determined to lay down at your feet. Give us the ability to trust you more. Give us a heart that finds rest in your presence. Give us a wisdom to seek peace and pursue it, remembering it's only to be found in you alone. Thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that the peace of your loving and strong presence guards and protects our hearts and minds. Thank you that we do not have to walk in fear or live in overwhelmed cycles of worry and stress. Thank you for your voice that breaks through the greatest wind and storm swirling around us and whispers, peace be still. Thank you that you sent your one and only son to set us free. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators for us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. But they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for this time of worship. Lord, we ask that you be with those who are troubled in these times. Lord, be with those who need your healing, those who need your comforting. Lord, allow us to use these times to strengthen our faith and become closer to you, Lord. Be with us throughout the rest of this week and allow us to be more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Greetings, Ackland family. Thank you so much for a wonderful retreat weekend. It was so good to see so many of your smiling faces on Zoom and your masked faces in person. Boy, wasn't that movie night cold. Uh, this week, we've got one anniversary. Bob and Ashley Hoskins celebrate 12 years together on the 18th. And our only birthday this week is Paul Prill, who has a birthday on the 23rd. Um, and like we used to say about my grandfather, I don't know how old he is, but we have sure had him for a long time. Um, that's really all the announcements that I've got this week, uh, as usual, we'll continue to put out announcements and prayers via the email list this week. Um, so stay tuned. Thanks, and we love you guys.
You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.